traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller, uh, founder of the International Equine Network. I hope everybody recovered from the Kentucky Derby uh, parties that they went to and the Kentucky Oaks parties that they went to. Uh, the three-day Rolex parties that they went to, the polo parties that they went to. Uh, last weekend was a great day for um, the horse industry, both domestic and international. Uh, it was very exciting. Um, of course, we had the Kentucky Derby, and they were at about 50% of the capacity. They were right at 60,000 people, um, you know, there at Churchill Downs, which is about half of what they normally get. And, um, you know, it turned out pretty good. The weather was good. Uh, um, I, I would like to say that there were some surprises for the, uh, for the Derby, but I really don't think that there was because given the field that they had, uh, that could have been anybody's race, anybody's race. And, um, I, I was just really pleased with the whole day. Um, everybody that I talked to, you know, they were really, uh, pleased said it was a, a good day for them and, and so then we just kind of took it from there uh you know started putting all the information together that we got for the derby and see what happens and uh, one of the things that uh, we were talking about is about how uh, everybody uh is doing with the the uh COVID vaccine um you know if uh how it affected the industry as a whole uh you know that type of thing and i'm pleased to report today that on Kentucky Day, uh, Kentucky Derby Day wagering rebounds to $233 million for the day, uh, which was, uh, which is, was amazing. Um, all sources betting on the Kentucky Derby presented by Woodford Reserve, uh, a grade one uh, stake race rebounded to near record levels that made, uh, that make it a centerpiece of Churchill Downs business plan. Uh, so Churchill Downs was very excited about it. Um, the Louisville-based gambling company reported May 1st that all sources of uh, wagering on the Kentucky Derby Day program totaled $233 million, surpassed only by the record $250.9 million in 2019. Um, Saturday's total represented an 85% increase over the pandemic delay of the 2020 uh, Kentucky Derby last September. Um, betting on the 19 horses in the 2021 Kentucky Derby race was $155.4 million bet on the Derby alone. So, um, you know, you had over half of the money went on the Kentucky Derby for, for the day. Um, it, it was just unbelievable, um, to see that kind of money, uh, you know, being going through the window. It says, um, the combined of all sources of, uh, 287.3 million uh, reported for both the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it's the second best in Churchill Down history, bettered by uh, 311 million dollars in 2019. Uh, so that just goes to show you that it's uh, uh, a phenomenon that that um, in sports, all sports, um, that is just overtaking uh, you know our, our society. Um, NASCAR racing, uh, their business is up, uh, uh, you know, baseball, uh, football, we don't know about yet, but 
you know, it just goes to show you that you can't survive these pandemics. And the reason the um, horse industry has survived the pandemic is because of their protocol. Uh, they evaluated the situation, they assessed it, and they implemented pr- uh, plans that would uh, take them, uh, you know, on a, on a regular schedule. And, and they adjust, made adjustments for um, uh, not having people there at, at the venues. Uh, and, and what happened to a lot of the venues um, during the pandemic, it gave them a chance to remodel and refurbish a lot of different, um, you know, things in their um, in their facilities. So um, that that was exciting about the Kentucky Derby to see, you know, that the the betting was still there, and that gave us an idea of just where the, uh, the thoroughbred industry is at, um, you know, in popularity as far as the uh, general public goes. And so that, that tells us now that we need to step the programs up, uh, made it, make it more um, accessible uh, for the uh, people to come in and view the races. And, and I think that's right. Uh, we're right on target for that. So that was exciting, you know, to see that. Um, we'll get into uh, some of the other things here, uh, here in just a second. Uh, we would like to tell you that uh, the Preakness is uh, a week from this Saturday. And um, if you go to uh, Pimlico.com, you can see all the things that are going on at the Preakness. Um, it's going to be a great Preakness. Some of the derby horses, uh, you know, will be going moving forward towards uh, the Preakness. Um, I can't really say for who who is going for sure because that's still all, all up in the air. Um there might be three or four out of the Derby that go on to the uh, Preakness, but there's going to be a lot of new shooters in the Preakness, and that's going to be interesting for Medina Springs that uh, won the Kentucky Derby to see what happens there. So um, the, the Preakness is uh, May 15th um, in Baltimore, Maryland, at uh, Pimlico Racetrack. Um, it's a great, great uh, party uh, festival uh, there in all of Baltimore. Um, if you go to Pimlico.com, you can see all the things that are to do there. Um, what I like to do when I go to Pimlico is uh, I like to go to two or three different restaurants to see who has the best crab, uh, Mariner crab cakes. Uh, of course, I like to eat, and uh, I like doing that. So it, it's kind of uh, exciting to get to Baltimore. They always do a real good job, um, Mr. Stronick does, with uh, the Preakness, and as far as um, – you know, the race and, and Pimlico week is uh, with the, the Preakness and the Black-Eyed Susans on Friday the 14th, which makes it a good day. So, um, you know, uh, just go to Pimlico.com and uh, see what all they have there. And if you stay with us on INTV.org um, and click on, you can click on to Pimlico and it will take you right there. Uh, we'll keep you updated on who's going, when, and where. And um, the, the post-position pool will be the middle of the next week uh, for the Black-Eyed Susan and uh, the um, Preakness Stakes. So tickets are on sale. Uh, take a uh, shot at uh, Pimlico.com, and maybe you can take a trip there because we are open for business at all the horse racing facilities. Um, you know, and then, of course, uh, three weeks uh, after that, um, we're looking at the Belmont. Uh, the Belmont Stakes will be uh, coming up. So, um, uh, you know, uh, you got a lot of planning to do here over the next two or three weeks. Uh, and then also, and not only are Pimlico or Preakness and um, uh, Belmont tickets on sale, Breeders' Cup uh, 
tickets went on sale um, at the Breeders' Cup, and uh, that, that'll be coming up. So it's a good summer, good fall, getting ready for Saratoga and Del Mar uh, be opening up. So there's a lot of things getting ready to go on, a lot of planning that can be done. And um, to let everybody know that um, we're back up to speed, uh, between 60 and uh, 75% uh, capacity at the tracks will we'll be there. So uh, uh, get out to a race and see what's going on. Uh, NBC Sports um, reports a strong Kentucky Derby numbers. Um, and, and like we've been saying before on our show, um, we've been talking about uh, the media, the marketing of, um, of what we do here in the horse business. And it's uh, very crucial and very important uh, now. Um, and this is probably going to be uh, a time-consuming project for the horse industry uh, uh, opposed to the COVID. Uh, now we have to find out what's the best means to get our product out to the public, to the general public. Um, of course, we have the Internet, which I'm a big part of. Uh, we have television. We have radio. Radio is making a big comeback um, for uh, horse racing. Um, it, it's really uh, doing very well uh, with all the radio programs that are going on, and um, and that's just one of the many ways that you can get it. You can get it on your on your iPhones. You can get it on the internet. You can get it on uh, national and international television, both domestic and uh, uh, international. Uh, you, you can get it uh, on broadcast TV, which is the regular television without cable or Internet or anything. So, and, you know, it's just telling you, you know, where it's at. And I noticed a lot of new um, shows are popping up uh, uh, in, in the country. Like there's a, a show in, in uh, um, Sarasota, over by Sarasota, Florida. Um, it's called Fox Lee. And uh, I noticed that they're they're getting into the video aspects of everything. And it's really interesting because um, before they used to just uh, film it and then put it on YouTube, um, which was good. You know, they're getting their product out there. But now they're getting more organized. They're getting, uh, you know, producers and directors and, uh, you know, talent to uh, explain uh, about the show, who's doing what, you know, that type of thing. And also we're at a very crucial point in the horse business, uh, and, and it's a direction that has never been pursued at all by the horse industry. Before, like NBC or CBS or ABC, ESPN, they would approach the different equestrian events and said, you know, we'll pay you for the rights to, uh, you know, the Triple Crown, or we'll pay you the, to the rights to the Olympics or what have you. And so, that you know, that was good because it's a major, you know, product in the horse industry. But now they're finding it difficult to fill time and space on their networks. Um, and so how do they do that? They have to go to a regional programming, uh, similar to the way they did to NCAA football, where they had um, they would have NAIA games. They would have uh, Division Two, II, Division One uh, games on TV and started filling those empty channels. And that's what we're trying to do with the horse industry. We're trying to fill as many empty channels as we can on all the networks. And uh, surprisingly, it's starting to work and everything. But um, NBC is kind of like the yardstick of, of the equestrian industry, and uh, they've reported a strong Kentucky Derby, Derby numbers. Um, 
NBC's uh, sports presentation of the 147th Kentucky Derby, presented by Woodford Reserve May 1st at Churchill Downs, averaged a total audience deliver of 14.5 million viewers as the run for the Roses turned to its uh, return to its traditional first Saturday in, uh, in May. Uh, so you know that that's a good, good, strong um, viewership. 14.5 million viewers. Um, that that was um, uh, a little bit surprising for me because it was pretty much good weather all throughout the eastern and uh, southern part of the United States, and a lot of people would be outside because of the COVID. Uh, you know, uh, restrictions are being lifted everywhere, but to get 14.5 million viewers on you know on a Saturday uh, like that was just uh, kind of um, phenomenal to do that. Um, the TAD numbers uh, marked a 54% increase in last year's event, 9.4 million um, for the rescheduled uh, September 5th Derby. So that that was a good a good sign right there. So according to the official national data provided by Nielsen and digital data from uh, Adobe Anal- Analytics, viewership picked, peaked at 15.7 million viewers between 6.45 and 7 uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on NBC as Medina Spirit um, mounted uh, to the wire victory for trainer Bob Baffert, which uh, won uh, the Derby for the seventh time. And um, that, that's that's exciting because that tells you that when they break it down, that when it came close to post time, you know, uh, to find out who was running, you get that influx of people that want to watch it. Uh, you know, they may not watch the whole program, you know, that's three or four hours long leading up to the Derby, but you, you did have a certain group of people that, uh, you know, tuned in right, you know, at the last minute. So that, that's good for the horse business because now it gives us an idea of the kind of people that we can draw in, you know, but we have to learn how to draw them in sooner you know, than just for the finish, uh, you know, so that, that, that's, uh, something that we can work on. Um, and the way you do that is you work on it with, uh, backstories, um, uh, of the trainers, of the, uh, breeders, the owners, the jockeys, uh, uh, there's so many things that you can do to bring, bring them back into the serve, uh, to watching the programming. Um, so I, I was really excited about that and, Realized that how big are, the, are those numbers according to NBC? The TV only average audience, uh, the TV only average audience of $14.4 million topped all entertainment award shows for the first time ever and marked NBC's most watched broadcast since the NFL divisional playoffs in January. So, you know, that's telling you that uh, we're giving the audience and public uh, what they want to see. And that was exciting, you know, to see that. So everybody, you know, is happy about it. Um, the event also fared well for digital platforms. Um, NBC Sports Digital presentation of the Kentucky Derby delivered a second average um, minute audience of 139,300 viewers for the event via NBC Sports app and NBCSports.com. So, again, it goes back to what we've been talking about there's so many ways that you can get your product in the equestrian industry out to the public, general public. And, and when you start putting all these things together, um, you know, you're looking at a huge, huge uh, demographics for the horse industry. 
And, and when you're doing that, then you can go to the different sponsors and advertisers, you know, and present this to them and tell them, you know, exactly, you know, where you're going with your programming. And that brings in the big sponsors and long-term contracts for um, uh, the media that's trying to get the product out there on the equestrian industry. And when you get long-term, uh, then that really uh, picks up the industry. Um, it picks up uh, a lot of things that you can do. And, and we're not talking just about the derby. You know, we're talking about uh, programming for the backyard uh, show horse people. We're talking about, uh, you know, the all different breeds, uh, you know, from polo to dressage to quarter horses uh, to the Olympics that are coming up. Um, you know, there's all kinds of programming that can go along with that. And nowadays in, in the equestrian industry, it's not about, you know, who wins the Kentucky Derby. It's about how they get there. It's not about, you know, who wins the gold medal in the Olympics. It's about how they get there. And now that we've got a good media outlet for uh, the equestrian industry, it's starting to focus on how do we get, you know, the different things uh, to fill those empty time slots, you know, on a 24-hour day. Well, this is how you do it. You go to regional. You, you divide the country, the, the equestrian world, up into regions. And when you go into those regions, you uh, select certain shows and certain races and, um, you know, uh, different uh, events uh, for for that region. But yet, on the other hand, you don't have to give that out just to that region. You can broadcast that both domestic and international. And that's, that's what we're trying to do here in International Equine Network is trying to get both domestic and international programming and um, that will incorporate regional national and international uh, you know events and, and fill those time slots up um, you know that, that type of thing so uh, um, we were really excited to see what was going on um, you know with NBC the NBC TV household rating for the broadcast from 631 to 718 was 7.1 um, uh, homes uh, these member these numbers are down from a most recent derby, which was conducted in um, um, May of 2019. So the, the household people are, are flipping the channels. And, uh, you know, uh, that, that tells you a lot. And that goes a lot into for programming. Um, when you know what, when they're tuning in, you know when to run those commercials for your for your clients and everything. Um, so we got the Preakness uh, is coming up here in two weeks um, from Baltimore, uh, Maryland. Um, it's, it's going to be an exciting programming. Um, we have, uh, uh, for example, Friday, May 14th at 5 p.m., we have the Black-Eyed Susan. Uh, that'll be on NBC, SN, and other outlets. If you come to INTV.org, you'll find out where you can go, uh, you know, to those other outlets. And then Saturday, May 15th at 2 p.m., we have the Preakness Saturday. Um, that starts at 2 o'clock. Um, and that, that'll be on uh, NBC SN. And then um, at 5 p.m. Uh, on Saturday, May 15th, we have the actual Preakness uh, stakes on NBC, and that that'll be national coverage. And see, it goes back again to that when you're really trying to get out to that uh, general public and to get to the numbers, you know, get to the mass and everything. You, you see how it leads up. MSNBC is a lower tier of NBC, and they're filling time slots on, on that end of their network. And the same thing is going on with um, domestic broadcast. 
um, meaning your local stations. They're trying to fill time slots um, in their in their market, and, and this is how they do it. They can do it with, uh, you know, equestrian program and, and just about any kind of programming they want, uh, you know, to do that. But again, it goes back to show you that how important that the domestic broadcast is to our industry. Um, there will be a lot of uh, events that they do um, in our industry that that uh, won't merit that. NBC national and international coverage, and they'll fill those small time slots. But when it gets down to the to you know to the big show, it goes to NBC, uh, you know, national broadcast, uh, both domestic and international, and it's on a broad, what they call broadcast TV, meaning that you don't have to have um, internet, you don't have to have cable or satellite, you know, to receive this broadcast. This is just a, a regular broadcast that any TV can pick up. Uh, no matter, you know, if you're in an NBC market and everything. Um, the metered market for 2021 uh, Derby race uh, portion uh, was was excellent. Uh, in Louisville, uh, Fort Myers, Knoxville, Tennessee, West Palm Beach, Florida, Cincinnati, Ohio, um, Cleveland, Detroit, Providence, Rhode Island, Indianapolis, and Buffalo. And, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, Wonder why, you know, uh, why Fort Myers? Um, you know, why were they number two on the metered market? Um, you know, you, you don't think of them as being a, a horse, um, you know, driven, you know, community. But yet again, the, the demographics for the, the age of the people watching um, were people that, um, you know, followed tradition and they loved seeing that. So that, that looked good. Um, then you, you, you turn around and you look at Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, there's no racetracks, racetracks here in Knoxville. And you kind of just wonder, you know, why Knoxville, you know? So again, all these things go back into the equestrian marketing aspect of it as, um, you know, why you got to get down and find out why uh, Fort Myers and Knoxville, um, you know, were very interested in it. Um, you know, the other one, uh, like Cleveland, there, there's racetracks close to Cleveland and De- Detroit. Um, and then you look at Providence and, and Indianapolis and Buffalo. Um, you know, you want to go in to find out why those markets watched the Kentucky Derby. That's that's very, very big in the game, uh, you know, to, to help you out uh, uh, when you're marketing and trying to do your equestrian events. But I, I don't know how many uh, of the people have gone to uh, an equestrian event here, you know, since the pandemic is easing up. But it's one of those things that, um, you know, you need to get out and do. Uh, you need to get out and see. Um, you know, what's going on, you know, who's doing what. And I guarantee you that in every locale here in the United States, there's there's an equestrian event within uh, just within minutes of where you're at, where you're living at. Uh, it may not be the Kentucky Derby or, you know, the Olympics, but there are equestrian events to go to and get out and support your local, um, you know, equine industry because they're part of – Everything that we do, they go to Burger King, they go to Walmart, they go to um, uh, shopping and all the different stores, the gas stations, and they rent houses, and, you know, they do a little bit of everything. And uh, so that, that's why it's important to get out and support your local equestrian events, you know, here in the States. And, and so having said all that, you know, we're trying to get to this thing here. I'm still a little tired from the Derby myself. Um, one good thing uh, this year 
is that we have the Hall of Fame um, is is uh, going to be uh, inducting some people this year, um, and and it's uh, going to be interesting because it's a friend of mine that's going in, and I had the pleasure of working him with one time at Wayne Lucas' stable. In 1989, when Todd Fletcher was 22 years old, uh, he was working for as a barn, barn foreman for D. Wayne Lucas and his son Jeff. Uh, he realized the importance of Saratoga Springs, New York, for someone you know whose life has revolved around the horse racing industry. And, and this has always been uh, the rule of thumb uh, in the horse business um, when you go up there uh, to New York. When you get to New York, you realize that the best of the best comes to Saratoga and comes to Belmont and Aqueduct. And if you're a trainer and you want to really put your feet to the fire um, and see just how good you are, you go stable and you race in and out of out of New York. Um, you know, it, it, historically, uh, you know, it's just it's made made people, and it's and it has broke people. Um, you know, when you're sitting out uh, and looking at it, uh, Secretariat went to Saratoga and got beat by Onion um, in, uh, up there. And they call it the ghost yard. And it's the ghost yard for trainers and horses and everybody in the equine industry to make it in, in New York. Uh, you know, that, that makes a statement, you know, that, um, that, that there. Um, when Pletcher went to Saratoga, uh, he surely learned that a lesson, uh, a lesson well in uh, his 25-year career at Saratoga Racecourse has played a central role uh, for him. Uh, he's a Texas Navy native and has had a fabulous career. Uh, he captured his 14th training uh, title at Saratoga uh, last year. He won. He's he he has won five training titles at Saratoga. Uh, five years in a row. Um, he, he's just phenomenal at what he does there. Um, the, he has a status in North America of the only time leading trainer in earnings of over $405 million. And the basis for his training uh, not only came from Wayne Lucas, but it came out of, you know, training and competing against the best horses in the world in places like Saratoga, Aqueduct, and uh, Belmont. Um so he's going into the Hall of Fame, um, which will really be, uh, you know, uh, and the, and the icing on the cake for him for his career. Um, you won't be able to do any better than that, uh, than, than what he's done. $405 million, that's an awful lot of money, uh, you know, scattered over, uh, you know, a 25-year period. Um, so that that's great. Um, he also has, he's got 14 trading titles at Saratoga. He's got 17 training titles at Gulfstream Park, and uh, he's a national for 10 years in a row. He was a national leader in earnings, and it, it, it just shows you how successful he is. Uh, he's success, so successful, uh, no matter where he goes, and all. And, uh, and that's what I like about the Pletcher organization. They they're just unbelievable in what they do and how they do it. Uh, you know, I, it's exciting to see those kind of people go into the Hall of Fame. Um, and that's what it's all about, you know, is uh, getting there uh, to the Hall of Fame, getting to, to the Derby, uh, you know, uh, doing that kind of things like Bob Baffert. Um, you know, he's got seven Kentucky Derby wins now. And it's just phenomenal how one person can do that. 
you know, uh, his horses race all over the country, and they do very well. And he's got a great staff. Uh, you know, that says a whole lot for it, uh, you know, and what they do and how they do it. Um, so I, I was excited to see the, the Hall of Fame people come up, um, you know, and what they're doing. Todd's a great person. Um, he's going to do very well for the rest of his career. Uh, his organization is organized and, and very, very classy, first class. And um, so we're going to uh, jump in here real quick and talk a little bit about the um, the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks. Um, we were really uh, surprised at um, the Kentucky Oaks because a lot of people didn't realize that the um, horses in the Kentucky Oaks kind of take the backseat to the Derby horses, and it's really not fair to them. But the ladies uh, have their day in the sun in Kentucky on uh, Friday before the Kentucky Derby. And um, uh, they had a great field, uh, had a field of 14 uh, on uh, Friday. And uh, it, it was great for uh, Todd Pletcher. Um, he took a filly in there that was undefeated. And uh, she uh, ran real well. She uh, fought to the end, and, and she came up, um, you know, uh, as the winner. And that's what I, I tell you. When you see that horse in that race, if you go back and YouTube and watch it, it's exciting. You don't know if she's going to win it or if she's going to lose it. And I've watched it ten times, and I asked myself that same question, you know, of how they were doing it. But I tell you what, the race in itself was really good. Um, when she came out of the gate, um, she came out uh, and nice and easy. Um, she broke a fifth out of the gate. And uh, she just slowly, slowly positioned herself, you know, into a, a, a winning stride. Um, I, I was really, really liked how she ran. Um, she was bumped at the start, on, on, and early on, um, she just went uh, went right up front, stayed in there, and they couldn't catch her. They just couldn't catch her. Um, search for results was uh, second by a neck. And uh, that horse for Chad Brown, uh, she was undefeated also. And I, I was really surprised um, that um, they do it like they did. And, uh, you know, the, the rider, um, you know, on these horses uh, made all the difference in the world this year. And, uh, and Johnny Velasquez, um, uh, you know, he, he, he pulled off another one. Um, he's got so much experience and so much fight down the road, it was unbelievable. And Ortiz on um, on search results uh, was right there, uh, you know, too. And it was just a, it was a jocks battle all the way down the stretch. Uh, probably one of the best races that I've seen in a long time, uh, you know, uh, in the Oaks. Um, it, it was just phenomenal how they did what they did, um, you know, in the Oaks. And it, it was exciting. Um, and, and that's what I'm saying again about all the different things that uh, we have here in the in the horse business. Uh, you know, we got the whole Derby Week uh, that uh, uh, you know that is there. Um, my niece and my sister uh, did all their Derby things this year, and uh, they they were. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't really talked to them much uh, about it, and uh, and so I'm going to have to get a hold of them, find out how they did, and. And you know where it was at, but uh, you know what we're trying to push here is the the events themselves. Uh, it, it just goes to show you that it's just not the Kentucky Derby 
that uh, you know that people go to there. Uh, the place that they go to is um, uh, you know the Derby Week. It's about their tradition. It's about everything that uh, you know is going on uh, you know with them. Um, you know the whole Derby Week uh, that you have uh, Thunder Over Louisville. Uh, you have uh, on Thursday what they call Thurby. Uh, it's T H U R D E R B Y, and that is uh, a day of racing, and they highlight the local community, uh, Southern Indiana and uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and, uh, and for the locals. And uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds. That a lot of people are going to um, go to. Uh, uh, the the derby uh, and and now they've decided that uh, maybe we'll back off a little bit, go Thursday, and then go home and uh, you know have our own uh, Kentucky Oaks party and and uh, the Kentucky Derby party. And one of the parties that I went to was uh, was unbelievable. Uh, they they still had uh, their derby hats. Uh, they had uh, all their derby doings. Uh, you know, right there. And even though they weren't into Derby, they were still dressed up in their dresses and their hats. And, uh, you know, that, that's here in South Florida. And, uh, you know, it's kind of neat to see things like that happen. And uh, it, a lot of people go and don't have a clue about the Derby. They just like to dress up in the hats and the dresses and do what they do. So uh, that that was something that in itself, you know, that just uh, uh, amazed me and We'll do a story on that down the road and see what happens, um, you know, with it. Uh, and, you know, they're starting to do that, too, for other racing and other, like, horse shows and everything. Uh, they, they get into the derby spirit and get into the derby mood and, and go with it and all. So, uh, but um, I, I was really, uh, uh, like the derby weekend, NBC did a good uh, job of it. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube channels out there that did a lot of good uh, covering of it. Um, you know, and it was interesting. You could see people that um, knew the business and people that didn't know the business, but they're still making a, you know, a, you know, a stab at it to make sure that uh, everybody can see what they have out there. And one of the things that I like and is becoming popular now, there's a company called Caulfield's Novelty in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find them on the internet. And um, what, what's exciting about them? is they have Kentucky Derby uh, items like um, hats, mint julep glasses, uh, T-shirts, uh, you name it. If you want a derby party, you go to there, and they will provide you with any and everything you need for a Kentucky Derby party or a Kentucky Oaks party or a Belmont party or a Preakness party. You know, and they also have other sporting, like um, uh, if you want to do a, a, a Super Bowl party, they have uh, items for Super Bowl. And all, but that, that's becoming real popular now, um, especially after the COVID, um, you know, kind of restricted everybody to uh, limit to where they go and what they do. They decided to have their own, um, you know, derby parties and everything. And it's kind of nice when you all get together. And uh, I've got some friends that um, uh, they all put $20 into a hat. And uh, so, you know, you got uh, 20 horse field. Most of the time, times twenty dollars, and you pick out your horse uh, from the hat, and if you're lucky, um, you get the winner, and which someone will get a winner, but uh, you get, you know, you're looking at uh, a lot of money, you know, and for twenty bucks, it's fine, you know, to see it happen, 
and uh, you don't have to know anything about the horse racing. You don't have to handicap. You don't have to do anything. Only thing you got to do is pick a number out of the hat, and you got a shot at winning. Uh, you know, uh, winning the the Derby. You know, so that that's one of the things that um, you know that's becoming real popular now. Um, it's it's a social thing, and um, you can do that at your own house. And a lot of people are really getting into that now. Uh, you know, planning that weekend uh, in the future, and it all goes back to like we were talking about is tradition. Um, the tradition of, of anything, like whether it's sports, um, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, movies, um, you know, it, it's, it's all about tradition. And that, that seems to be the glue that holds us together in the, in the horse industry. Um, like right now, uh, you know, we just had the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. And what's exciting now is I'm starting to look forward to um, racing at Del Mar. Uh, racing in Chicago, um, racing at Saratoga. Um, you know, we have all these different racetracks that are full of tradition and history that are coming up. And, and you can start making your plans like for the Travers or for the, uh, in Saratoga or for the Haskell at Monmouth Park. Um, you know, you're, you're looking uh, at all these different traditions that are there. And, and the road to the Kentucky Derby next year, we're already starting to talk about. Uh, some two-year-olds that have popped up that look pretty good, um, you know, that we don't know about. Uh, but they're on their road to the Kentucky Derby now. And uh, you'll see a lot of those horses uh, make their debut at uh, Saratoga or Churchill Downs. And uh, that's one of the things that, um, you know, is very important to the horsemen is, um, you know, uh, the different races that are coming up and to get them in the right direction. And so um uh, I was t- telling a friend of mine the other day, I said, you know, it's going to be interesting to see about next year. Uh, you know, uh, we're back onto our normal schedule. And so this year's Derby kind of uh, got us all in, in the right line for, you know, where they were going and what they were doing. And, and one of the things that um, uh, I, I in particular uh, look at is how important is running at Churchill Downs before you go to the Kentucky Derby. How important is that? So I started looking down the list and everything, and, um, of course, uh, Medina Spirit that won the Kentucky Derby um, by a length and a half, or by half a length, um, you know, uh, he he was good. Um, it was a jockey's race. Um, he was the best of the horses that day. And, you know, and Bob Baffert had got him in the right right place. Um, and what, what was interesting is he's bred in Florida. And, um, you know, uh, Florida breads have been doing very well. Um, you know, it's not following the rule of thumb that, you know, uh, you got to pay a million dollars for a horse or you got to buy him in Kentucky, you know, th- that type of thing. This horse sold for a thousand dollars. Um, it was, uh, it was kind of a, um, uh, desperation sale, we might say, for the owner that had the horse at that time. And which is nothing wrong with that. You know, they did what they had to do. And then you go take it to the two-year-old training sales, and the horse sells for thirty-five thousand dollars. And then after that, the rest of it, you know, is it was history, you know, from that point on. And also that that was um, that's a story in itself that we'll go into down the road and everything. But I was just going over the over the Derby results, and a lot of the trainers uh, would like to have a race over the track at, at Churchill. And that's, it's very limited. 
um, when you have a two-year-old because uh, uh, you just have the fall meet, which the jockey club would be there. Um, you know, so that would be, um, you know, you're limited to that. And then you really don't have another chance to run, at, uh, you know, over the track at Churchill until Derby. So you got a one-time shot at racing your horse and letting him see what it's like at Churchill, and that's in the fall of this year. And, you know, you, it's hard to plan, you know, to do that because there's so many other important races that are out, out you know, and about. But um, just going down through here, uh, we're looking at uh, where some of the horses had run at, um, you know, prior to it, uh, Medina Springs, uh, uh, Spirit was um, based in California and naturally ran at um, uh, Santa Anita. But we had um, Santa Anita, the Fairgrounds, Fairgrounds, Keeneland, Fairgrounds, Fairgrounds, Keeneland, Tampa, Gulfstream, Keeneland, uh, Turfway Park, Turfway Park, Aqueduct, Keeneland, Aqueduct, Oakland Park, Santa Anita, Aqueduct, and Gulfstream. So when you start to look at where these horses are coming from, in a top ten you had horses, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. You had uh, five horses that ran at the fairgrounds prior to the derby. So, you know, that tells you where a lot of the tough competition's coming at. Um, you know, uh, when you take a look at it, uh, if you're in New Orleans, you know, it, it's going to be tough there. But, again, it goes back to, to the derby and, you know, where you're running and, you know, how you're getting them there. And like I said, you're very limited on time and races to run at Churchill. You got one race, maybe two races to get your horse over the track at Churchill. And um, so that that's, uh, becomes an interesting situation, you know, for the trainer. Uh, how, how do we do this? And uh, again, uh, this past year uh, is going to be interesting because we don't know how much the COVID virus played a part in training a horse up to the derby. Uh, we, we have no idea because the training methods and the training uh, uh, that went on over the last year train, changed dramatically. Um, a lot of the trainers didn't leave uh, their regions uh, because uh, it was difficult to move horses back and forth, uh, move help back and forth. Um, you know, you don't want to take a chance on getting any of your help sick or you know, owners or, or you know, jockeys sick. And, and also that, that's very important um, to how we, uh, you know, get horses in the Kentucky Derby. But, you know, it, it looks like to me that um, this past year uh, the fairgrounds was the place to be uh, because they had a very good uh, competitive spirits. Uh, the weather was pretty good at the fairgrounds for the most part, um, you know, and so that tells you a lot right there. Uh, you know, how, how they go and, and where they go. And uh, so I wouldn't want to be a trainer or an owner right now because you got to get back on the horse, as they say, and get on that regular schedule to uh, uh, the Kentucky Derby for next year. And, <laughs> you know, we're, we're like I said, we're looking at Churchill Downs. Uh, there's one race at Churchill Downs you can get a two-year-old in. And, uh, well, there's uh, other races, but the main one, you know, is the, the jockey club. And then you're looking at the Breeders' Cup is coming up here pretty quick for the two-year-olds. And then all of a sudden you jump in there and you start looking at, like, where do I go now? Um, do I go to New Orleans, uh, to the fairgrounds? Uh, do I go to Gulfstream Park, stay at Santa Anita? 
um, go to Oakland, uh, you know, you start looking at the weather situations that they go through. And, you know, of course, the aqueduct would be in, in Belmont would be the fall and, and, and the spring uh, for the horses. And also, I tell you, I just don't know sometimes uh, about where they were going. But uh, uh, it was an exciting Kentucky Derby. Um, I, I was really uh, uh, surprised. Um, uh, Medina Spirit, uh, he was an outsider at 12 to 1. Um, Mandolin, uh, High Rod Charlie in essential quality to take a thrilling um, renewal of the $3 million mile and a quarter uh, um, and a half uh, length separated Medina Spirit from the second place runner up, Modelin. And um, it gave Bob Baffert his seventh Kentucky Derby uh, win. And um, he, he was in a tie for most wins with legendary trainer Ben Jones, who won six between 1938 and 1952. Now Bob Baffert's up on top. And, uh, you know, he, he's a good guy. Uh, he, he takes good care of his horses. Um, he had American Pharaoh and, and Justify that won the Triple Crown. Um, so... Uh, you know, Bob, keep that same uh, um, team together, uh, you know, and see if he can go for uh, a next one uh, um, next year and have eight eight races. But, um, you know, the thing that, that I, I like is um, a lot of long shots were in there uh, for the race. Um, you know, you're looking at horses that, that uh, were just phenomenal, um, you know, when when they uh, went, went to the post there. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the favorite. Uh, the favorite, uh, you know, he runs down fourth, uh, you know, and some of the other favorites uh, were even behind that. Um, and so that that's what was different about our, this derby this year. Um, the derby this year uh, seems to me like everybody's glad that it was it's over with, um, you know, that type of thing. Uh, now they're back on the regular uh, Kentucky Derby Trail for first Saturday in May. And then you got, of course, you got the, the Preakness two weeks later, and then three weeks after the Preakness, you got the Belmont. So everybody's back into the swing of things. You're dealing with new horses, young horses, and, uh, you know, you've got to get them there. And so I think the trainers are more comfortable now back into the regular routine opposed to, uh, you know, most of the trainers last year, what did we do and where did we go and how do we get there? Uh, you know, it's a whole different thing uh, because last year, you know, the, um, there was a, a reorganization of the Triple Crown, uh, different dates, you know, different times of year, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. But now we're back on a regular schedule, and I tell you one thing for sure, you're going to see one heck of a Kentucky Derby next year because there are some two-year-olds that are out there that are just phenomenal. And uh, I think what happened to a lot of these horses is they kind of got put on the shelf a little bit to see where the COVID virus was going. And uh, I think that's helped them a lot because they can grow and, and not be, you know, pushed to uh, get to the derby so early and, and everything. But um, I, that's what I liked about it. Um, it was just a, a phenomenal day. Uh, the Oaks was great. The whole derby week was great. Um, you know, a lot of stories come out about it, but, you know, to be honest with you, I think what's going to happen with this derby, it's going to be the derby that never was um, because uh, 
a lot of these horses that, that ran in the Derby, I don't think originally were ever playing for the Derby. I think that they just kind of had to go back to the old school. And, you know, if I'm working the horse good on, uh, you know, and the horse has won a few races and got enough points to get into the Derby, I think that's what, uh, what's happened, uh, you know, with these guys. Uh, they're kind of glad to get it, uh, get it over, over with. Um, you know, I, I just don't know how to explain it. The jockeys, uh, the trainers, the owners, um, their mind's in the right position now. And, and now, having said that about all the derby um, horses that we had there, to be honest with you, I don't think there really should have been a favorite in, in the derby. I think that it was wide open from the get-go. It was a, a battle of the jockeys, how they rode the race. Um, it was a battle of how many horses could survive, you know, the mile and a quarter. Um, there, there was just a lot of things that were there, uh, you know, that, that uh, and that's what I liked about this derby. Uh, there was no outstanding favorite. And, um, you know, you just had to go by what you've seen leading up to the derby, which goes to show you, you could win the Arkansas Derby, you could win the Louisiana Derby, Santa Anita Derby. There's there so many horse races that you could win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile uh, going into the Kentucky Derby. means nothing when you go into the gate. doesn't mean a thing. And it's, uh, it's always puzzled me in the business. that I've, I've been in the business uh, for 45 years, and I never have figured out gambling. I don't gamble. Every now and then I might, you know, bet $2 here or there, but I don't gamble because I was always schooled that you, it's a horse race. You don't know who's going to win. You could win every race that you raced in leading up to the Kentucky Derby and finish last. And they could spend a million dollars for you, and you could finish last. Good example, Medina Spirit this year. Again, like we said, $1,000 sale originally, 35000 at the sales. Um, you know, uh, after that and, and wins the Kentucky Derby. You know, how many horses do we have in there where they paid 750, you know, uh, 800,000, a million dollars for the horse? And when they get in that gate, my friend, let me tell you, they look at each other. They don't know where they're from. They don't know who their daddy is or who their mama is. They don't know, uh, how much they've earned. Uh, they don't know nothing about them. You know, they're all equal. That's the only time in the horse racing business that uh, when you put them in that loading gate, equality rules. They're all equal. They're all three-year-olds. They've all raced, and you don't know anything until that gate comes open. And uh, when it came open this year, uh, you know, it, it was a great race. So they were all over the track. Um, they did uh, everything that uh, they had been schooled to do um, over, over the last year. Um, you know, and it was a jockey's race from that point on when that gate opened up. And I, I think that you'll see if you go back and look at the video, um, you know what I mean when I say a jockey's race. Um, they did what they had to do. And Johnny V is probably, you know, I, I just don't know how he does it. You know, he knows at that sixth sense, uh, you know, how to, how to get a horse there. Um, so I, I was really surprised by that. And what's even more interesting now is um, to watch the field that was in, in the Derby, to see where they go and how they did. 
Um, I'm going to see where these horses pop up at. Um, you'll see quite a few of them maybe at, at Saratoga. But see, again, um, these guys are uh, uh, are going to be an interesting because now they're three-year-olds. And um, when you when you get a three-year-old, uh, it, it takes a whole different, uh, you know, journey um, because you see a lot of races that are for three-year-olds and up. Uh, you don't see too many more races that are uh, after the Belmont that are just strictly for three-year-olds. Uh, you know, you just don't see that. And um, so now uh, a lot of the trainers and owners are figuring, trying to figure it out. You know, how do I make the most money and win the most races with my horse? And where do I go and, you know, who do I run him against? Because they're going to be running against older horses. And, and that's a whole different ballgame. You know, the three-year-olds are still... Um, immature and and when they get in with the three-year-old and up races they're trying to catch up you know to the other guys but but by the fall those three-year-olds have pretty much uh gotten to where they're going to get you know physically in their career and then you start looking at the four-year-old career with them and also that that's one of those things that i always liked about the horse business was being able to um you know get the triple crown out of the way and see where all these Derby horses, where the Derby winner goes, see where the Preakness and the Belmont winner goes, uh, you know, see how they do and how how long they race for and all now. Coming into the Preakness, uh, Medina Springs is kind of a small horse, and um, it, it's, it's a nice horse. Um, uh, I mean, Medina Spirit, sorry about that. Um, it, he's kind of a small horse. And, you know, according to um, uh, Bob Baffert, he came out of the race good. And uh, there's two or three others that come out of the race, you know, pretty good. And then there's the new shooters that will be there. Uh, we don't know how many there will be. Uh, we don't know if, um, uh, you know, if it will be a full field or if it would be a limited field. Uh, but somebody's going to take a shot at this horse. And, um, you know, it sounds pretty good on your resume when you can come up and say, well, you know, I, I didn't run in the Derby. I didn't think my horse was ready, you know, or good enough at that time to run in the Derby. But yet you run in the uh, Preakness and you beat the Derby winner. And that adds a lot to your resume right there because, you know, you, you literally beat history. And, and, and that that's important to the value of a horse. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you could have won some races in New York and uh, and come in and beat the Derby winner. And then after that, you know, is your horse going to be good enough to go to the mile-and-a-half Belmont? You know, and if he's not, then where do you run him from there? Uh, you know, you got the Breeders' Cup that would be coming up, uh, but you're going to be running against older horses. And also, it's just uh, it's kind of an exciting time of the year to kind of see where these horses are going to go. And if they just fade away and nobody remembers who they were, uh, you know, that, that's going to be the interesting thing to see what happens you know, here with them. So I'm kind of excited about it. Um, you know, we're going to see a real good one um, and see what happens. Uh, you know, uh, again, we go back to like a, a NBC. They had, had a little segment called Derby at Home. Um, and, and the Preakness shows are going to be really good. Go to uh, Pimlico.com and you'll see, uh, you know, their whole schedule for uh, uh, the uh, – uh, the Preakness week and the days that are left there and, you know, see what happens. And you're going to be talking to the trainers all week long. Um, it's a week from this Saturday. 
and there, you'll hear their stories and what happened in the Derby and why they didn't run in the Derby and going to run in the Preakness, you know. Uh, uh, it, it was going to be interesting to see what happens uh, to it, um, especially uh, with this um, uh, Medina spirit. Uh, that's going to be an interesting horse to follow and see what happens, you know, with them uh, to it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I always get excited about um, horses that uh, like this little horse here. I said, uh, uh, all six of Medina Spirit starts have come without laces. Um, his record, record now stands three wins, three seconds, and in Saturday, the million-dollar payoff winning the Kentucky Derby. And, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is, is the uh, uh, horse industry has started to really regulate and, and implement the rules and laws and so this horse won the Derby without any Lasix. And that tells you a lot, especially when he goes to the breeding shed. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, uh, medicated or anything. And, and, you know, he, he did that on his own. That was a true horse, horse one, you know, out there. Um, but that, that's a massive bankroll that he had from, from her colt that initially cost a thousand dollars when he was first sold as a yearling in 2019 Ocala breeder sales winter mix sale. Now that wasn't a yearling sale; that was a winter mix sale, and and usually you see uh, horses going to that sale that that are good horses still can still race, you know, but they're just trying to you know uh, get them on down the road, and um, uh, that that was really interesting to see. Purchased from the sale by Christy Whitman, agent uh, from the Summerfield consignment, um, he was later sold to Whitman Sales the following year. The only fold out of uh, out of the um, brilliant speed mare Mongolian Changa. Uh, she was purchased for thirty thousand thirty five thousand um, dollars. Gary Young uh, for the seed ends racing stables from Ocala, and uh, then uh, that was a two year old and all uh, horses of racing age sale. So this horse was really never. Uh, put in the category of being, you know, one of those super horses. All the sales that he went to were mixed sales. They were odd sales. And a lot of those sales, they put horses in, you know, just to move them on, on out of their stable. So um, that, that was an exciting derby, I think, this year, you know, for um, for the TV audience. Uh, the TV revenues were great. Um, Churchill did a good job uh, for presenting it. So did NBC. Uh, they did an excellent job. And, um, you know, we hope that that's going to get some more people into the uh, horse industry. And one last real quick note here. There's a company, if you want to get involved in the horses, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to know a lot about horses. But this is one of the most exciting companies that I've seen in 40 years. They've got it down pat. They're bringing more people into this into the business than any other part of our marketing aspect of the thoroughbred industry. It's called MyRacehorse.com. That's MyRacehorse.com. You go there, and for as little as $84, you can own a piece of a horse. It might only be a half a percent, but at least you own it. And you get you get a, a regular thoroughbred license. Um, you get to go to the racetrack. Uh, you get to go to uh, see your horse on the backside. Um, you get to go to the races during the meets uh, at all the different uh, facilities and you're an owner. You can go sit in the owner's box. You can do all the things that, uh, you know, the owners do 
with the exception of big race days like, you know, like uh, the Derby or Oaks Day. Uh, you can still go, but you can't get back, in, you know, into into the owner's lots, uh, you know, because uh, uh, those are limited to the horses that are running into the Derby. But uh, that's MyRaceHorse.com. Um, go to it and see what what all's there, and just remember, it was owned. Justify was owned by MyRaceHorse.com. Have somebody to look at, and so on. we got to another week here. I'm back on my medical schedule, so kind of getting there here and there. So I hope you enjoy the week. Look forward to next Thursday when we have our Preakness report, and we'll have the post position poll live on intv.org. And join us next week for International Equine Report.